My guest today is a drag personality, artist, musician, photographer, fashion designer, and so, so much more runs Meltdowns and Mugshots. You've read and seen them online in places like Paper Magazine and WoW Presents, and have watched them perform and host shows all across New York City. I'm happy to have with me today the wonderful Nikki Otop. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So I like to start from the beginning for most people. So you've described in a previous interview that you've been a performer pretty much your entire life. So before where you are today, what type of performing were you into when you were younger? Well, growing up, I was always enrolled in after school programs like in elementary school. And so there would always be like after school theater programs and plays and then plays in school, plays in middle school, plays in high school. So I was always a theater geek, a drama kid, and I loved musical theater. That was really important to me growing up in Los Angeles. Um, I did a lot of uh, theater work. And then when I came to New York, that kind of faded away from me. But uh, now doing drag, I feel like I've um, engaged myself with the performing arts all over again, which is exciting. Do you have a favorite play and or musical? My favorite musical I've ever seen was Grey Gardens. Okay. And I love it so much. I love the character of Little Edie, and I really want to do it in drag sometime very soon. When you were growing up, was there something in particular you wanted to be? I, You know, I've been talking about this a lot because it's October. When I was growing up as a little kid, my favorite time of year was Halloween. Mm-hmm. And my favorite movies were all of the spooky movies, in particular Hocus Pocus was like my favorite movie growing up. Mm -hmm. And when I was a really little kid, all I wanted to be was the Sarah Jessica Parker witch, Sarah Sanderson from Hocus Pocus. And I just wanted to be a witch so badly. Um, And so I guess in that way, I didn't really want to be a witch when I grew up. But I, I always knew I had a real affinity for dressing up and getting into character. So in sort of like an amorphous way, I guess I knew at even back then that I did want to, you know, change into a different character and put on dress up and play dress up for a living and be that kind of a character. So it's kind of funny now that I am in drag and am a drag queen. You lived in L.A. a lot of your life before coming to New York City. Mm -hmm. And once you got to New York, you went to Tisch for photography. Did you always want to go to New York and then Tisch was your way in? Or did you want to go to Tisch and it happened to be New York or... I spent a lot of time in New York growing up because I have family that lives here, but I fought it all throughout my life. My uncle uh, who lived in the city and so many other people, uh, my my gay uncles in L.A., always used to say to my dad and my mom, you know, he's going to live in New York someday. He's meant for New York. And I like fought it. I don't know why. I didn't like New York when I came and visited as a kid because I thought it smelled. <laughs> so I didn't want to move here. But in some later trips uh, in my high school days, I spent a little bit longer time. I did an internship in New York um, in my junior uh, year. And then I spent the summer in between my junior and senior year of high school with uh, in New York with my mom who was doing um, who was working in the city for the summer. And I just kind of like weaved into into my being like I, I knew very quickly this was going to be the place for me. So 
when I was looking at schools, I knew I wanted to go to NYU because it felt like the most New York school too. taking a tour of it. It just felt like it wasn't a campus away from the city. I was I was in New York when I would be at school. So I actually only ended up applying only to NYU. If I wasn't going to come to this school, I wasn't going to go to school. What made you want to go into photography? You know, it's a weird thing. I'm such a nervous Nelly. I'm such a nervous person. And I don't know. I when I was thinking about like what am I going to study, I was too timid to go through the rigorous audition process to do the performing arts. And when I look back on things, I really wish that I would have had just pushed myself because you never know where things could be now. But I also have always had a passion for the visual arts and I've always drawn and always done art. And um, photography at the time I was just so impatient and photography was the most immediate form of expression that I could get my hands on, especially digital like you just want an image, you click that shutter and it's done, you know? So I ended up going with that. How did you end up finding your time at Tisch? And you could be honest here. I, I found it really challenging in a lot of good ways um, and, you know, some really frustrating ways. I felt like the program that I was in was really intense and filled with amazing people, but not necessarily people using that medium for the same things I wanted to do. I wanted to use photography for like very expressive, absurdist, fine art photographs that almost resemble paintings and are largely inspired by pop art and fashion imagery, whereas a lot of the other students in the class were really there and were hard-hitting photojournalists or like wartime photographers or people that did, you know, really beautiful, mechanical, gorgeous print work, like things that, you know, weren't necessarily my area of interest. So I found myself butting heads with people in class and teachers as well, a lot during it. But by the end, I think everybody figured out that how I was going to use the medium and that it was just going to always be like a crazy collage of rock and roll imagery. So by the end, I had I got my way. And then what would you say was the most important lesson you learned during your time at Tisch that did not come from the classes themselves? Oh, my gosh. Well, while I was going to school, like the whole time I was going to school, I was working in nightlife and I learned it's not one lesson, but it's just a way of being like, I learned to to be Hannah Montana-like and juggle two lives um, and juggle them well because I had to, especially looking really crazy and coming into class in these big crazy outfits with this outlandish persona, people are automatically going to un- underestimate you. And so I really wanted to prove everybody wrong and be not only like the best student I could be, but also maintain this like really crazy club personality and this work that is so chaotic. Um, so I learned how to balance those and, and have both. So related, you've proven to be remarkably successful at such a young age, if I may say so myself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how do you keep a level head and stay humble? I think it's just part of my personality. I'm I'm not somebody that ever sees things coming to me without me having to work hard for them. And every opportunity I've had in life normally came from me pushing my way into a conversation that no one was inviting me to. If there's not a show for me to perform in or no one's asking, I have to go out and make the show so I can invite others in. And if, you know, if they're not, uh, if people aren't calling and asking to give me an opportunity, I'm out there cold calling and making those opportunities come about. So I know what it's like to have a lot of rejection and just not be invited to the conversation and 
whenever I get any great opportunity and I'm able to serve and uh, do a great job at it, you know, it's that satisfaction of knowing I did it for myself. But it comes from a lot of hard work. So I guess that the hustle keeps me humble. For people that are maybe interested at home, how does someone become a, a fixture of nightlife culture? God, I wish I could. I, I could write a freaking manual at this point. I've worked uh, the first night I ever hosted in nightlife. And by hosting, I mean, you know, you're on a flyer, you share it on your social media, you invite the cutest, coolest people and you kind of make you kind of breathe life into the party. The first party I ever hosted was my 16th birthday party in uh, Los Angeles. I was way underage using a fake ID huh. and uh, I just turned 24. So at this point. I've been working in this industry for a third of my life. I think it's actually something innate that can't be learned. It's like you have to kind of have a passion for people. And I think that that's why I'm good at this job, because I love interacting with people and I rarely like to be alone. So it's it's my duty to kind of foster meetings between minds and bring in, you know, totally different worlds into one space and foster dialogue between them and then that's really what feeds me um, is knowing all these different creatives and bringing them into a room together and having a good time did you go into nightlife like knowing like this is something I want to do or did you kind of stumble into it being the extrovert that you were yeah no I, I stumbled into it being extroverted and also in Los Angeles having a really loud style that no one um, in my like immediate school community could really relate to. And I just happened to find my people, my tribe in nightlife. You know, that's where like the other people like, really experimenting with different looks and makeup and fashion were at. And they happened to be a little bit older than me, but we really gravitated toward one another. And so that's why I've, I think I've just stayed in this world is because it's like I love the freaks because I am one. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're at. I think people within the scene tend to vary on their definitions and how they define things. So I kind of wanted to clarify with you. Please, please bring it on. In terms of how you define yourself, do you draw a distinction between doing drag and being a club kid or are they hand in hand or something different? Today, the world's meld. But in the past, I haven't always done drag. Drag's a new development for me a little bit over a year and a half. I've been really hitting it hard and doing drag. But a uh, club kid, like I said, I think is kind of the life of the party, someone who mostly hosts a night and brings out a great crowd. And for me, drag is different in that, you know, when I'm when I feel like I'm in drag, it's not only like I have the full look on and an illusion, but I'm usually also performing. And so that's maybe a key difference is, you know, performing, not performing. Got it. And then. When it comes to drag, how do you define yourself directly? Do you consider yourself a king, a queen, or do you prefer like the term drag performer or something else entirely? Yeah, drag performer works. I, you know, I actually just was looking on a popular drag queen's Instagram and their bio said female illusionist. And I was like, oh, right. That's how some people definitely think of this job. I don't find myself to be a female illusionist, although my looks generally are very femme when I go in drag and I like femme, like powerful beauty. But I think more than anything, my style is more akin to like aliens and um, pop art and doesn't really necessarily gravitate super heavily towards what we think of as like a clear cut female gender. So I don't consider myself a female illusionist, but I... I do think of myself as more of a drag queen, I guess. Why do you tend to lean femme, you think? 
I don't know. I think I've always been drawn to the female characters in movies growing up. I Like I said, I loved all of the witches in Hocus Pocus. I loved Poison Ivy. I loved superhero. Uh, I loved Catwoman. I loved, you know, like villainesses. And um, so I don't know. I just I've always and also I just maybe more than loving uh, female characters. I've just never gravitated towards uh, masculinity necessarily. And I don't really see it for myself. It doesn't come naturally to me. What was your first exposure to both drag and club kid culture? And was it love at first sight for both? Okay, so when I was a little kid in Los Angeles, my dad, mom and dad used to take me to this place called Casita, Casita del Campo in Silver Lake. That, And I remember my dad always having to slip this guy at the door a little bit of money to take me into the bar section of this restaurant because it was a restaurant and bar. So we could sit in the uh, part of the place that was, you know, just serving alcohol and appetizers or whatever. But kids weren't supposed to be there because there was uh, pool tables, etc. Yeah. And I remember this beautiful woman coming over to our table and reading my fortune, like reading my hands. Her name was um, Claire Poulet. And I, you know, kids love Disney princesses, whatever. I always loved her. And it was only years and years later that I found out this woman who had routinely read my palm at this venue was a drag queen. And I always would go on and on about her as a kid. So I think I did love drag. I guess I loved like big, you know, hyper beauty. And she was definitely like a big busted uh, drag queen. (laughs) So that's silly. But um, yes, I think I've always loved drag, uh, weirdly enough. And um, to club kids, it was uh, watching Party Monster. I really don't know how I happened upon it online as a young teenager, but I knew via this crazy story about these kids throwing renegade parties at McDonald's and on buses, etc. I knew it was just so shocking and the looks were also just incredible, like something I never thought people looked like. So I knew that was for me. What is it about both drag and club kid culture that draws you in? I really wear what's on the inside on the outside. And it's always the people to me that choose to be different when they get up in the morning and they get ready and they put on that that face, that drag. It's those people that really inspire me and that I'm just naturally drawn to because I also feel compelled every morning to put on an armor that definitely looks different than everybody else walking down the street. And so it's always easy to identify those people when I'm walking around Manhattan because I like, you know, you can instantly connect via the eyes and you just give each other like a nod of approval. What is the worst you've ever bombed? And granted, you do a lot of things. So this could be a performance or whatever. Oh my God. And what did you learn from the experience? Oh my God. Um, the worst I've ever bombed. Okay. I was booked at club coming, not actually that long ago, maybe six months ago for a show um, and I had a lot of bookings that week so I barely read the email and uh, I get to this place with I knew I had to do, perform two songs so I brought two like ballads that were sad and thought I would be actually I did If I Were a Boy by Beyonce which I think I think actually is ironic and funny but is not like really that funny it's just funny that you're doing it in drag yeah. and I got up to I got there to perform and I realized it wasn't a drag night it was Everybody besides me was a comedian. Um, and so it, like a, a com- like a straight up like stand up comedy. So I got up in between like six sets of these different com- comedians and gave these performances. And it was pure crickets in the audience. And um, 
I left feeling really stupid that I hadn't read up on what the gig called for because I could have done something funny if I had known, but it was a bomb. They hated it. (laughs) That's that's funny. (laughs) It wasn't even that bad. I don't know. I also hosted a club night one time um, in my senior year, and it was the first time my dad was ever in town for something I was working, so I invited him. He came with my uncle, and uh, I had like 30 club kits working that night at the club, and I just didn't eat that day, I guess, because... Pretty instantaneously, I was really drunk (laughs) and uh, somehow my clothes came off and I was dancing on a table like pretty much naked. They were obviously ashamed. (laughs) And then I think somebody said something out of turn to a friend of mine and I started like shouting at this guy and yelling at him and um, ended up like like being like I'll take let's take this out to the street like my dad will fight you and I don't know I found this all from my dad the next day and I felt so so bad I don't know what I can tell you I learned from that I guess I learned to keep uh your drinking really responsible (laughs) and to read your emails yeah or if you're not gonna drink responsibly at least eat responsibly (laughs) and don't invite your dad oh yeah that was the lesson I learned that's totally fair so uh, anyone familiar with you should know how much you appreciate Andy Warhol and his work you've talked about how you feel pop art can really capture the pulse of the culture at a specific time um my question for you is what is it about Warhol and his work specifically for you that made him both so successful in the genre and still such a standout to this day Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, outside of everything that the art stands for, I just really connect to the visual style of Warhol. And um, just very simple, bold imagery really appeals to me. But then I also love that his work really speaks to, like, the commodification of people and fame and things that are ubiquitous in our our society. And um, I don't know, I've always had a fascination with celebrity being from Los Angeles and having them around and knowing people whose family was celebrities, whatever. And I think Warhol really got to, you know, how how interesting Americans focus on celebrity is and how much we take away humanity from people who we venerate. So and I don't I that's uh, weirdly like something that I definitely felt even at my little level of, um, you know, people knowing me is like how people only know you for visual and forget that you are a person, too. Um, so Warhol's uh, obsession with the people of the time, the luminaries of the time, and how, you know, they were just as much an American product as something like a Brillo box, a Campbell soup can, etc., is something that really appeals to me. And in my own personal work, I often, I mean, my brand is Meltdowns and Mugshots, I often paint tabloid imagery of our era. And that also has to do with American idols, people that we idolize but forget also have Um, a human side, which is why I often choose their, you know, least glamorous moment to depict in my work. It's just interesting to me to think about people that we like make into demigods and how they they still fall, you know, fall from grace. Mm -hmm. When did you first encounter his work? Jeez, that's really hard. Probably, you know, in my some of my earliest trips to New York going to MoMA. Mm. But I can't remember when I fell in love. It's just Warhol's work has always been a part of my life. I've always had journals and stickers of his. Relevant, you brought up your brand, uh, Meltdowns and Mugshots, uh, which I think is fabulous. By Thank the way. you so much. <laughs> um, I think you, I've noticed is that you kind of evolved your pieces over time, leaning more into, I think, the Warhol-inspired uh more so than uh, the mugshots and the 
meltdowns of original, at least as of late. Right, right. What prompted the shift? Well, um, I didn't plan to do the do this as a brand at first. Uh, I started painting. I went to school for photography, but I kind of fell out of love with the medium while I was in school. So when I got out, I decided to like pick up a paintbrush and try my hand at painting. And I ended up really falling in love with it and felt like the work was coming out great on canvas, but no one was interested in buying it. You know, people our age aren't really collectors of art. So as a segue, I kind of pivoted to painting on clothes. And I was originally just going to make 10 jackets of my favorite celebrity mugshots on these matching pink leather jackets. And um, so I did, you know, Paris Hilton, a Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. uh, Tara Reid with her nipple coming out on the red carpet, Kim Kardashian crying. And um, I made all these 10 jackets and then people ended up really loving them. And uh, people were like, can you do my jacket? I want something on this and that. So it ended up becoming this, you know, bigger brand. And now having sort of, I don't want to say mastered, but, you know, having a process that's where I can now adapt just copying photos. Mm-hmm. Now I'm able to explore more with collaging different um, imagery, things from the past, things I see on the street, uh, other images from tabloids that I love, all these different things and creating these collages of all these different disparate things that interest me instead of, you know, just a simple image on the back of a jacket. So I think like the transition is just me combining more of other folders of images I love and things I love and putting them all into into the pieces now. So to touch upon another one of your projects, uh, can you tell me about how Read My Lips came to be? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about it actually. So Read My Lips is my lip sync competition that has happened a couple times. It's um, 12 drag competitors lip sync to the music of one artist and um, they go in head-to-head battles. By the end of the night, one of the 12 performers is crowned uh, mix Read My Lips and they win $1,000. It came about uh, last summer. I had the thought that Read My Lips would be a great name for a drag show. Mm -hmm. But then I had always been interested in creating some sort of local competition to celebrate local talent. And there already exist a lot of competitions in New York, but they're more week-to-week pageant kind of shows where there'll be a certain amount of performers and every single weekend they have a new challenge and that group gets thinned down. And by the end of, you know, eight to ten weeks... yeah somebody get wins. But I wanted a really high stakes competition where in one single night somebody could win a big prize. So I hit up um, one of my good, good friends, Blake Deadly, and we partnered on it and we threw our first one a little under a year ago. It was Read My Lips Gaga. Mm-hmm. And our first winner was this incredible queen, West Dakota. I love her. Who is doing like humongous things in the world of fashion and art and drag. And um, so it's gone on from there, and now we're about to throw next week our third competition, which is the music of Rihanna. Why do you think she's so iconic? Rihanna is really a... She's a bad gal, you know what I mean? Like, Rihanna does what she wants whenever she wants it. She doesn't make apologies, and also she does it more fabulously than anyone else. The memes that I've seen of Rihanna walking out of restaurants with glasses of champagne in her hand (laughs) whenever she wants. You can find so many pictures of this. She leaves with the tableware. Like, (laughs) that's that's the kind of attitude that I think I definitely want to embrace in my drag and in my personal life. And I think that's why so many people connect with her. She just really doesn't give an F about anything. You've done a lot of different things at this point in your career. Do you have a 
proudest accomplishment at this point? One of the things I really am most proud of is this competition because I think it really has the ability to grow um, and I think it will continue to grow. But even just so far, we've created this platform where hundreds of people in Brooklyn and from all over the city come out to see this competition happen and only one person wins. But it's been a stage where so many people who haven't performed to a big crowd like that are able to expose a new audience to their work and show off their best, you know, myself included. I performed at the competitions as well, and I've been just so overwhelmed by the amount of support that people show at our shows. Um, so my proudest accomplishment, I guess, more broadly than just the competition, is over these years being able to prop up so much talent and share the wealth when it comes to the opportunities that I've been given and um, bring up and expose the world to some really talented people. What are your current obsessions that you think people should also be obsessed with? I just finished being obsessed because I finished all of it, the show How It's Made. <laughs> I love watching it to zone out so much. And actually, that being said, I love any How It's like how it's Made style video. I can zone out for literally hours on Instagram watching 25 things, crafts to do with concrete 25 things about uh, the refrigerator you never knew like all of those craft videos I die so that's one of them and then the other thing that I'm obsessed with right now is drag queens who stop lip syncing in the middle of their song to say thank you when they take tips from the audience they stop lip syncing they just go thank you as they caress the person's hand and take the dollar bill out of their hand. I don't know why, but me and my friends laugh at it every time. And I think it's such a funny old school kind of a drag thing to do. So that's another one of my obsessions. That's cute. And then I guess for the world of art, you've already done so many things. What's next? What's next is making my work more accessible. I Right now, everything that I do with Meltdowns and Mugshots is bespoke. So... You know, you can. there's only one-of-a-kind things. I want to open that up to be, uh, you know, a different po a product line that anybody can get their hands on. And then when it comes to drag, I want to do more stuff that's accessible online. I want people to be able to, like, connect with my YouTube videos and make more content like that, um, tutorials featuring other talent, um, so that it's not just a New York thing. If you want to find out about New York Queens, that will have content for you. So these are 2020 resolutions of mine. I just want to make everything I do bigger, better, and more accessible to the whole world. And with that, that's a wonderful note to end on. So where can the people find you, follow you, see you, and consume your media? Um, they can eat it all up on my Instagram. It is at Nikki Otav, N-I-C-K-Y-O-T-T-A-V. And if you're in New York, you can come to our Read My Lips competition next Thursday, October 24th from 8 to 2 a.m. at $3 bill and watch a drag queen win a thousand bucks. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. <laughs>